You know, it's hard for business owners to turn off. It's a 24-7 job, but let's at least make sure you're paid for that job. Yeah, I mean, that would be a fantastic first step for us, for sure. Hello, listeners. Thanks for tuning in to SOS, a live call-in help show with me, your host, Sonia Rasula, founder of Unique Markets. Each week, I answer some of the most pressing questions from entrepreneurs, small business owners, and creatives. We talk about social media. We talk about growing and scaling. We talk about marketing. The reason this podcast exists is because the fact is most businesses will not make it to five years. I've had multiple businesses for over a decade now, and I really want to make sure that you have long-term success. I don't want you to make the same mistakes that I made. So tune in weekly as I help business owners face their sh- Before we start today's episode, I wanted to give a shout out to our sponsor, Constant Contact. The reason why I love Constant Contact so much is because first of all, I am a marketing geek, but second of all, for all of us small business owners who complain about the deadly algorithm, I know you know what I'm talking about, the best thing you can do for your business is use email marketing. When you send an email, it actually reaches your customers' inboxes. This is really, really important for everyone listening. Take a second and think about that. Everyone puts so much importance and so much effort towards Instagram. And while I love Instagram, the algorithm is a freaking nightmare. So get on board with email marketing. Constant Contact is who we use for everything. And they've got a special offer for you right now. Calling all small business owners, nonprofit pioneers, and savvy side hustlers. If you're looking for guidance in the noisy world of online marketing, Constant Contact has your back. Their team has the expert guidance, tools, and technology you need to successfully build and market your business. So whether you want to step up your email marketing game with customizable email templates or grow your e-commerce using their Shopify integration, Constant Contact has everything you need to achieve online marketing greatness. To get 30% off your first three months, visit constantcontact.com slash unique and enter the promo code unique at checkout. That's constantcontact.com slash unique and enter the code, all caps, U-N-I-Q-U-E. Our guest today is Gemma Greenhill, co-owner of Santa Venetia, a company that makes traditional clogs with a modern twist. Designed in Oakland, embroidered in Los Angeles, and made by hand in San Francisco, the shoes are super modern and definitely are not your mom's clogs. Unlike a lot of entrepreneurs we have on this show, Gemma worked in marketing and advertising, so while their website design and social media skills are on point, they are not great at closing sales and desperately need help in order to grow their business. And remember to stay tuned to the end of the episode for Sonia's top takeaways designed to give you the best nuggets from each episode. This is an info-packed episode. Let's dive right in. Santa Venetia, you know, in a nutshell, we make traditional wooden clogs with an unexpected modern twist. The clogs are amazing. And then for everyone listening, when she says that they are modern, that is the perfect word. There's a lot of clogs out there. And most people, when they hear the word clogs, it's probably like an eye roll. 
It's like a Birkenstock association probably. These are very, very like minimal and modern and like fresh. And I really like what you're doing. So um, thank you. Yeah. Cheers for starting out. And so now I want to help you as much as I can. So I've got some thoughts and ideas, but I'd love for you to just perhaps ask me the one or two burning questions that you have. Yeah. I mean, I think we're at this point because we're a couple of years in and we run everything ourselves, nose to tail from bookkeeping to designing to, you know, working with independent contractors. We're really at the point of we have the vision, but we're so wrapped up in the day to day. Like how, what is our, I mean, and this is a big question for you, but like, how do we scale? Like, what is our investment to scale this business? Because we're getting really close to that where we're getting good brand recognition. We're getting some organic PR opportunities, but what is the thing that we can do that's really going to help us grow and maybe hire an employee or move into a small space, which allows us to produce more. So yeah. Yeah. I've got, I've got a lot of ideas. My, I've got a couple questions from that. So first I would love to know, are you paying yourselves? So we are not paying ourselves currently. We are paying back the loans that we took out to start this business. So we want that to shift within the next 18 months. Um, but it's a conscious decision just to get ahead of some money that we borrowed to then give ourselves like re-access to that capital again, if needed. Um, but not yet. Short answer. Okay. <laughs> okay. So yeah. So then, so, so the number one goal that I would have for you is that we can get you guys paid. <laughs> Yeah, that would be fantastic. We would love that. <laughs> um, I think too often, I mean, you're doing exactly what I did. I invested all of my money into it and um, I probably didn't take a salary for a few years, but it's interesting how many entrepreneurs and small business owners forget about themselves. So they're so in the day-to-day and just trying to survive that they forget about themselves. And the the thing is to be a sustainable business means that the business owners have to be like happy and healthy. (laughs) So this is perfect timing for you calling and talking to me because your health and happiness and and survival really is going to be what makes or breaks the company because, you know, so you're two years in, so two years more in, you're at four years and you have a co-founder. So there's two of you, right? Yeah, there's two of us. So when the two of you start to get tired or (laughs) life, you know, different life things start to come about and passion sometimes gets replaced with like frustration or just honestly pure exhaustion, Mm -hmm. those, those are the times that it's going to be easier for one or both of you to start to say like, "Ah, maybe, maybe this isn't working or maybe so honestly, the first thing for me is always like financial because that eliminates the ability for you to make excuses, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and honestly, a business really isn't a business until 
the owners are actually getting paid. <laughs> so right. let's focus on that. Yeah, I can <laughs> completely agree with that. I'm like, is this a hobby or like... Right, right. I mean, you, you put every, I'm sure like, you, you know, you put 24-7 into it. You're like, on the weekends, it's not when you go to events or parties or see your friends. If you see your friends, what you're thinking about is always analyzing like what they're wearing, asking yeah. them about different trends, like literally... You know, it's hard for business owners to turn off. It's a 24-7 job, but let's at least make sure you're paid for that job. Yeah. I mean, that would be a fantastic first step for us, for sure. <laughs> okay. So then let's get back to the to the real heart of this, which is how are you going to grow? So one question is, did you take loans or did you have, you know, investment from friends and family? We took a bank loan. Um, so now like we're definitely going through the process of, because we're not paying ourselves and this is really a big roadblock to that. Like yeah. how do we get that debt down ASAP? Mm -hmm. I am 100% in fact, like a million percent, not a financial analyst. <laughs> well, us too, we make shoes. <laughs> but I am very good at business. So I will say one thing. So depending on what your interest rate is, and it, it seems like you're already having those discussions, which is great. Try to find, replace the loan that you currently have, pay it off with something that has a lower interest rate or potentially, and this is going to take some forecasting on your part, but potentially something that has a 0% rate because it's like, you know, 0% for the first six months or 0% for the first year. To entrepreneurs, like I, the entrepreneurial spirit is, is a whole beast and Average people who are scared of things and are very like safe will never understand what I'm currently saying to you. But I can use myself as an example. I used credit cards, not for the business, but I used a number of different 0% interest rate credit cards to purchase my first home because I knew that I could pay them back. So like I knew that I had income coming in and I forecasted it all. I managed to actually, I'm like probably the 1% of people who do that. But so I'm just suggesting to you, if you do know that you're going to be selling shoes, you can probably forecast how many you sell every season, every year. If there's a way for you to do something like that, I'd say like, you know, personally, I would take the risk. Okay. But yeah, I, we, I think we would too. To yeah. And like, if that's too scary of like, Ooh, but then we have to pay it back within six months. And that actually does get to be a little scary. You, you know, again, then just find another loan with like a credit union or a bank use Google. I mean, we are living in the most amazing age of information and I'm sure that you can find another loan that will replace your current one. That will be better. The other thing you can do is and I, you know, again, I don't know if you've done this, if you've thought about going to friends and family, you'd be surprised who in your life will step up and would love to help you. They just don't know that you need the help. I didn't know that it was an option when I started my business. And then like three years in, my mom was like, you know, your dad and I have some money. Why don't we invest? We'll become investors. And I was like, ah, oh, it's too late for that. But thank you. I didn't realize you had some extra money lying around. So, you know, cause like who really does talk about finances with their family or friends? Right. No one, like, you know, no one does that. It's weird. Yeah. I think it's like part of, and it's something that I struggle with, you know, is like you want to seem like you have it so buttoned up 
as a small business owner because there are a lot of forces like working against the smaller business owner. So you sort of just have this guard up of like, oh, everything's great. We're doing everything on our own and it's totally fine. But I think there's value in having those conversations with people that's about finances or just, you know, any other like marketing yeah. or production or anything where you can just be like, actually, we think we know this, but what do you do? Like, yeah. it's yeah. great to learn and share that with others. So, Absolutely. Yeah. So, and then another idea I have is in the history of the company, have you guys thought about doing a Kickstarter or something of that nature? And let me explain where I'm going with this Yeah, sure. <laughs> before, you know, instead of like a, cause most people, I think when they think Kickstarter, they think it's like, you know, a campaign to like, to build something and you've already built something, getting the money for production before you actually produce will be one of those things that helps your business greatly. I don't know how, I don't know what quantities you're selling. I don't know if you're doing seasonality. We'll get a little bit more into that in a minute, but doing a Kickstarter or not even a Kickstarter and just doing a pre-sale on your website and using obviously all of the marketing skills that the two of you have to you know, kind of do this kind of campaign where it's like limited edition. The idea is you already probably have a community and instead of making the shoes and waiting people waiting for people to buy them, perhaps investigate the idea of doing like drops, limited edition drops, where you, it's like a very, very limited run. So they feel like they need to purchase and they need to purchase now. And that way you're producing the shoe, the next line of shoes, but you're actually getting pre-sale orders and you're getting the money ahead of time and then shipping out instead of using your own capital to have all of the production runs made and then hoping that people buy them and shipping out. That's just another idea. Yeah, we work, on, it's just, it's not quite that, but we do, we've really streamlined, like after learning the hard way of mm -hmm. getting you know, using our own capital to develop an extensive line that in all honesty, we didn't need that mm -hmm. many styles and right. colors and heel options. Um, we now are actually pretty scrappy about our production expenses and like any upfront investment just because we learned that hard way. And that's part of like what our, you know, what we're paying off currently is mm -hmm. we had a lot of pairs of shoes made that we ended up sample sailing and we're just like, we need to maybe get like a couple of hides and like yeah. treat every pair as limited and have a couple pair made so we can take beautiful images and try to sell them, but then have them made as the orders come in. Every pair has a little bit of like a different personality to yeah. it. Um, totally. Just because of the, yeah, like the, the, the fabrics and the, and the materials that we use. Right. But yeah, I guess like made on demand is more like what we do. but From a business perspective, I can tell you right now that that's going to be the bottleneck when you scale right there. Yeah. yeah. I, I know way too many designers who are the most amazing designers. Their products are fantastic. Their vision is fantastic. They will never grow and they will never scale because they are too scared of taking that next step of going from not having stock to going to the next level, which is unfortunately a big step. It's producing mass quantities. In order to scale and in order to go from where you two are now to where the two of you need to be, which is paying yourselves and selling you know, X number of clogs every year, 
that's, that's probably the, the number one step that you're going to have to take, which is scary. I get it. Yeah. But that's it right there. Okay. Because unless, unless the production facilities that you're working with have assured you and can scale up, you know, you're going to, you're going to want to start to talk to them about scaling and like, what are their, what's the bandwidth that you're dealing with, with them? Like how many do you think they could make per day, per week so that you can start to really, truly understand those numbers and their capabilities. And if they're not going to be able to make that many, you may have to start researching other production facilities and maybe you, you know, you move to then having two and then you're going to have to move to having three and then Potentially at that point, you move to like one really giant one that's going to be able to do it all for you. But I would start investigating now because you can't, as a business owner, you cannot be just looking at what's happening today. You have to be looking two years, three years from now. Right. Okay. That's good advice. So that that already, I think, you know, looking at funding, paying off, getting you more money in the bank um, is a start. And then, you know, again, back to the Kickstarter conversation, instead of using it as like, let's just do this limited production run, you may want to do the Kickstarter to be like, help us get, help us take it to the next level. Like, help us take this company to the next level. Like, you know, and make it very community driven. So people do understand the small business story. Because I think so often small businesses are like embarrassed about being small and they're like nervous. And so like they'll create like fake email addresses like PR at <laughs> uniquemarkets.com or like, you know, instead of just being like, it, yeah, no, it's me. Like it's me answering yeah. and reading all those emails. Like just send it to me. I do not have a PR person. I don't have a <laughs> PR team. Like it's like, it's like there's this like veil that's been put over entrepreneurship and in the magazines and in the media, what everyone sees are these like amazing success stories and they're very inspirational. Like, you know, some of my favorites are like Glossier and Away Luggage and these amazing companies, but those companies were funded heavily. And so it's, it's helpful for entrepreneurs to actually know that and to be aware of that so that they're not... Right. So... Which is easy to do. Very easy to do in an Instagrammable world. Yes, totally. <laughs> um, so there's a couple there's a couple thoughts and ideas I had for you right off the bat. The other thing that I was super curious about was, have you done trade shows? Like, wh- how do you sell? What what's your selling process like? Well, that's actually a really good question. Um, we have done unique before. Um, we were down in LA last December, mm-hmm. and we loved it. Yeah. We're actually like, and I say we, like, I will just totally take this one. Like, I'm pretty bad at that scenario. Like, I'm pretty, I'm like complete selling. Okay. I am like uncomfortable and nervous and I'm thinking about everything all the time. Like, I'm just not the like face that is, you know, like, hey, welcome into our booth. Like, I'm not worried about anything. I'm thinking about are you going to buy a pair? Like, how is that? Like, what's the tally of what we need to sell this weekend versus what, you know, we're spending. And so I have already come to like the epiphany (laughs) that we probably need someone who is a really good salesperson. Like we can do a lot of really good stuff behind the scenes, but like, I am not a good salesperson. Um, 
That's great. So that is a very good gut check. <laughs> that that had to happen because I was at a, a small event like a couple of weeks ago, just like hosted by a friend, but she makes bags and she has a good network of local makers up here in Northern California. And I just had the epiphany as I was chatting with all these like really lovely women that I was really bad at organically selling our product as <laughs> forgetting people's names. You know, I just was not like the friendly face that... Yeah, I was kind of nervous and tense and had a backache from carrying, you know, 20 pairs of clogs up and down a bunch of stairs. So, yeah, I think that is definitely a weakness. But we basically, like, we do attend shows, but we need to up the cadence of, like, makers markets, um, craft fairs, you know, however you want to brand those things. Um, And which you do a great job of, by the way. And that's what we liked about Unique because it's not a craft fair. It's not makers market. Like, it has its own unique, you know, no pun intended positioning. Um, Thank but we you. also need to, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we also need to attend trade shows. That's also like part of our sales strategy. But we need to apps. That's an area of weakness, in my opinion. I mean, obviously, my business partner's not on the line with us, but I've definitely been thinking a lot about that, especially just because I know it's a weakness of mine personally too. Okay. Well, I mean, it's great that you recognize that because as someone. <laughs> who walks around the market and witnesses everyone. Um, Far too often people who um, are the designers and the owners, they're there selling, which is kind of a requirement. I mean, that's part of what what I, you know, the reason why I started Unique Markets. It's the idea that you are there and you're able to talk to people about your background and that amazing story of seeing the clogs on a friend's feet and being like, these are amazing, but we can make them better. Um, That absolutely has to happen. And it's story more than anything else that will, that will garner sales. Like 100% hands down, it is story and an emotional connection to someone or something or a brand that gets people to spend money with that brand. So you have the story down. The second part of that, of course, is you do have to be, you've, you've got to close. You have to know how to close. <laughs> and far too many creative people and artists do not understand sales and they're intimidated by it. So the fact that you already know that you're not great at it is good. I personally believe that the fact that you are already conscious of your, let's say, challenge, I feel like that opens up the opportunity for you to potentially like learn more about it or train yourself because again, I I do think that like you as the storyteller and the owner of the company is always the best representative, but but if you try and you just, it really does make you uncomfortable and anxious, then yeah, find someone who is very, very outgoing, you know, not too pushy, but can tell your story and can also sell those shoes for you. To be perfectly honest, you could come to Unique Markets and not sell a thing, but you could still be extremely successful. And I say that because to me, the markets are more about branding and marketing, less about sales. If you sell on site, especially a high-end product like yours, that is an amazing feat that you've accomplished. But it's about getting the product in people's hands, 
touching it, talking about your story, communicating your passion, and then for those people to then you know, either buy from you afterwards or help spread the word about your brand and start following you on social media, sign up for your newsletter list. It's, to be perfectly honest, it's like a, a foundation for then all the other stuff that can happen. I've definitely done pop-ups where we haven't sold a pair, but what we loved about Unique was we met people and just us, like we're in Northern California. So just the opportunity to come down to LA and like mingle with a, a group of people who are like incentivized to shop and who own like stores and uh, you know it was just like a great opportunity to just network so we really enjoyed it and we really enjoyed it just because of the people that we got to meet so yeah we loved it yeah so hearing that makes me feel really good you might be surprised who within your current community is in sales there may be someone who is absolutely obsessed with your brand, who is like a full-time retail manager at like Anthropology or is sales manager at J. Crew. Like it would be interesting for you because this is how we've done it. We just put the word out on our Instagram and see what bounces back. I would not be surprised if someone who is already in your community, who loves what you're doing and has a background specifically in sales, you might find someone who can even just at at the very least have a coffee or have a cocktail and tell you potentially like, you know, what you could be doing better or like give you some tips or potentially because you're only doing these markets probably a handful of times, um, find someone who, you know, can actually come with you and you're just going to pay them, you know, the hourly rate, um, and have them like kind of close the deal and sell. Yeah, no, I love that idea. Like I hadn't even thought about tapping my own network. That's usually where I go for everything. Yeah, and I mean, so the retail price of your clogs is more, way more than even like four different days of of working for you. So potentially you can also like save yourself money and do trade with a salesperson. Right. I would probably research and um, you probably already know of some of the ones that would be good for you. They are heavy investments though. There are a ton of trade shows that happen, you know, in Vegas twice a year. Mm -hmm. And some of, some of those shows have programs and are starting programs for like much smaller, like real independent brands, just like you to either do cheaper discounted pricing or to do like cash and carry, but it's a way for you to at least get in front of hundreds, if not thousands of buyers. Right. So I would highly recommend thinking about that. Okay. Again, it's, it's going to be part of the equation to scale. And then the last idea that I have is I'm curious with your sales strategy currently, do you, are you every week, are you actively going after stores and retailers? Like how, how often, or what are you doing to create new business for yourself, get new accounts? So we kind of go in waves. Um, we, if we have something to say, like if we're releasing, you know, a new SKU, we will reach out and then we'll do the follow-up reach out and then maybe we'll do a third round. But it definitely goes kind of quiet when there's no new story to tell. Uh-huh. Um, 
So we do have a few stores that have engaged with us in the past that we try to keep in touch with, but we often hear, you know, we don't buy outside of the regular buying seasons, you know, like reach back out to us in September, you know, we get a lot of that kind of right. uh, pushback. However, we've also had stores reach out to us and just ask for orders. Like that actually happened not that, like a couple of weeks ago, like someone just placed a wholesale order out of the blue and we were like, wow, these people do buy outside of buying season. Yeah, they, <laughs> they do. So the interesting thing there is there's like the old school retail world and there's the new school retail world. And then there's the whole world of direct to consumer, which you guys are already doing. So, you know, I'm not going to talk about that world because you're doing it. And of course, there are ways that you can do it better. But um, where I see opportunity for you to scale is selling to retailers and potentially doing trade shows. And that's going to help you sell to retailers. Um, do you, so you're, so do you do seasons or are you just kind of collection based? So we basically, we have a spring summer collection that is, a big push and we have timed it these this will be the second year of us timing it correctly to coincide with you know fashion week and everyone showing spring summer um but then throughout the year we're a little bit more reactive and if we see a trend that we feel like fits our design philosophy of like unexpected but traditional like that we can somehow make work we'll try it um so we're a little bit of like both. We do have like one, I mean, obviously it's an open toe sandal. So spring, summer is huge. But then we do just have like a couple, like last year we brought out a PVC clog right around yes, the holidays. which I love. Yeah, I mean, that <laughs> one has just killed it for us. But we styled it with like sparkly socks and yeah. like made it feel like something that could just go across seasons. So mm -hmm. if we have opportunities like that to like be on trend, but also on brand, we will take them, but they're more ad hoc. Okay. So immediately, I'm just going to throw this out there that, and there are a bunch of retail experts that will probably disagree with me, but that's what makes me me and makes me unique. Um, <laughs> the, the thought of designing for seasons and for what I believe to be an antiquated model is tough. And it, so financially it's tough because you're trying to, it's such a strange game because you're trying to constantly do like new, new, new. And what happens is the entrepreneur, the small business owner, the designer gets convinced that what they have to do is constantly be creative and pump out like new designs and different designs. And while it is creatively fulfilling, because as a creative, you, you know, you don't want to be seen like you're doing the same thing every day, but there's a huge problem with that model because it means that you're constantly pumping out money for new stock and that people may not buy it and that what happens is it gets old. So when you're constantly creating new, then you're constantly having old. And so right. to me, that's a huge problem. Um, I love when small businesses and companies do one thing really, really, really well you never see them start to expand or start to grow until they've mastered the thing that it is that they do. Now, granted, this is a, a crazy example because they did get lots of funding, but I'm going to use them all birds. They launched and only had like the four or five colors. They only had the one shoe, literally one shoe, only one style. And they only did it in a few different colors so that they, so that they could get known. Because the other interesting thing about it is, so if you are producing these cool PVC ones, the embroidered ones, the metallic leather ones, like you've got a bunch of different styles. Mm -hmm. 
it means that you have a bunch of, it's, it's diversity, which I usually say is very, very good, but it does mean that there's not like one clog out there that everyone is talking about because right. it's really easy to do word of mouth and to tell your friends about things when it's like the same thing. People start to notice like, what is that, PV, what are those cool neon plastic clogs that I've been seeing? What are those, you know, it starts to spread and that starts to get your brand recognition and get some traction. So I'm going to throw out that like, instead of thinking season-based, I would think more about like, what is it that you are bringing to the world? Like, what's your voice? What's your vision and your story and your kind of aesthetic? And do that really, 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 really well. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and, and then you start to bring in, once you're selling those, because here's the other thing with seasons that I think is also really interesting, you know, really with small, small companies like you, if someone does see your clogs, become obsessed with them or see them in a store or see an Instagram post that they fall in love with, and then they go to buy them, but they're now gone or like you don't have them in their size, to me, kind of an issue. Like I would rather do a few things really, 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 really well and be known for it. And all the advertising, all the marketing, all the PR that you're doing is constantly just around that same thing. There are different ways to make it seem new and exciting and you can photograph it differently and feature different models and style it differently. But essentially it's the same shoe and like Birkenstock for years just really only had like the Birkenstock. Mm-hmm. like the one style it for decades. And then, right. you know, then the cool Japanese fashionistas started like, you know, then they came out with the metallic, then they come out with all these different ones. But for quite a while, they just had the orthopedic shoe. Right. So that's my last thought is that, you know, you need to scale and you need to obviously sell more to make more money. And there are some ways that we've gone over that I think you can do that. But one other way is that instead of constantly pushing yourself to design different lines and spending money doing that, maybe stick with the same styles and the same even colorways for a while to just push those, like get known for that. Okay. Yeah. No, that makes total sense because you don't, you have to just be, you have to be beat over the head with something multiple times for you to be like, wait, what what was that? What was that thing? <laughs> it takes like eight or nine times, I think is the most recent research. It takes eight or nine times for someone to hear something, like to consciously hear and understand it. So I'm sure it's many, many more than that to have someone purchase something. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. I like that. Good. Well, we only have like a minute left. So I don't know if you have one last question for me. Um, I mean, it's like a little bit of like a strange transition after the conversation we've had. But I guess like, I don't know if you could tell me a little bit about like, was there a time when you were just like, I don't like, is this working for me? Like running unique markets? Like what did a dark day look like? And what made you push through it? I guess. Yeah. Well, so there have been many dark days. <laughs> Well, I should get that out there, like throw that out there. Um, I had like a really dark day yesterday, if that helps you at all. Oh, that's still um, there? Okay. Oh, yes. Cool. <laughs> uh, yes. Basically, I talk about being like 11 years into my business and not being able to take a summer vacation. But like, I actually have never really taken a summer vacation. So I guess it's fine. 
<laughs> I say that while I'm like laughing, but inside I'm crying. Um, oh. <laughs> no, but I mean, that's what we signed up for, right? We have mass amounts of freedom in our day to day. So like, yeah, I don't get a summer vacation because suddenly like business is a little rough and I need to like put all of my attention into it, but that's fine and it'll pass. So I think that like having that attitude is really important of the like, this too shall pass and just knowing that like everyone deals with this stuff. I think everyone thinks that I'm like rich, like it's just a smooth sailing from here on out and it's not. And so I think that um, perception is often um, what alters our own thoughts of ourselves. So to a certain extent, yes, I am actually very successful. I need to like own that and be okay with saying that. But for me, it was growth. It's the same thing that you're talking about right now, which is there was a point a few years in when it was, for me, it was extremely successful. The, the company took off from day one, which I am very grateful and thankful for that having had happened. I didn't, I didn't have the same... Um, like challenges that most business owners have. It took off immediately. What happened was probably four years in, I was like, okay, we've made it. We're huge. I'm no longer going to be the only one working. At that point, I already had a few employees, but I think that like the idea of like doing what I thought people do. So I had three employees at that point and I was like, but I should have a marketing manager probably now. And I should probably have this role and this role. And so I hired a few more people and I grew the team and I definitely grew the team too large and too fast. And so then basically had to let everyone go. I had to make the decision to let those people go because I was doing what I thought everyone else does. Like, again, when you read the magazines, when you watch movies, when you watch TV, like it's not just like one or two people at a company. It's always like a huge company. So you think that's what you're supposed to do. So that's what I did. I grew too fast and then had to face up to the fact that I had made some wrong decisions. And honestly, it's the same advice that I just gave a minute ago, which is that like, you just have to know that it will pass. You also have to know that like, it's okay. No one's perfect. And you can talk about that and admit that, which is actually one positive that I think Instagram has had an effect is, is people like being okay and being vocal with being like, this is like, it's not all rainbows. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for calling. I really love your brand and I love everything that you guys do and your your take on something that's like traditional and old and making it very, very current. I just love. And so I hope, you know, this episode helps drive traffic to your website and, thank and you. gets you more followers and fans. Thank you. Yeah, that would be a lovely halo effect of the <laughs> advice that I got. So I appreciate it. Yay. Okay. Well, thank you for talking with us. Yeah. Thank you for having me. All right. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. That was such a great conversation. Now it's time for my top takeaways. Number one, a business can only be successful if the business owners are cared for and more importantly, taking a salary. That is something you need to focus on if you are not taking one yet. Number two, do not be embarrassed or nervous about being a so-called small business. There is a lot of amazingness 
in that. So don't be afraid to ask for help. And also don't be afraid to let everyone know that you are a small, independent, locally owned business. Number three, while many small business owners are very talented and very creative, eh, they're not so great at selling. You really need to know yourself and ask yourself whether you are indeed the best person or not to sell the products that you're creating. If you don't know how to close a sale, if you aren't great at communicating with others, you can go to workshops, you can take courses, but you can also decide that you should stay behind the scenes and hire a salesperson to help you sell. And number four, doing trade shows and markets and fairs can be really, really valuable, not in the ways that you may think. So it's not always about selling and sales. I think some of the best takeaways of participating in trade shows and fairs is the networking that you can do with customers, potential customers, media and press, and your fellow sellers and vendors. If you network and make great connections, you can trade resources, get tips. So keep in mind, it's not always all about the Benjamins. And that's it. Once again, thank you so much for listening. We really do create this podcast ourselves in the basement of our office building. So we really appreciate all of the feedback, all of the amazing supportive messages and DMs that we're getting. The best thing that you can do is subscribe if you are on Apple Podcasts or follow on Spotify so that you never miss a new episode. The second best thing that you can do is help us by spreading the word. Please, whether it's regramming, whether it's following us at SOS with Sonia, or whether it's simply telling your friends about this awesome podcast, <laughs> we would love and appreciate all the help that you can give us. Thanks. Have a great day.